You are the sunshine of my life. That's why I'll always be around. You are the apple of my eye. Forever, you'll stay in my heart. Let's turn to Ruth. Let's turn to Ruth. It's a very short book in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. So it's not very far from the beginning. Ruth, the book of Ruth. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be walking through the book of Ruth as we listen to some of these uh, some of these songs. And some of you say, well, how are the songs connected to, uh, to Scripture? And um, if you want to know the answer to that, you're just going to have to stick around and keep coming week after week. And I'm going to show you why we've, uh, why we've chosen the book of Ruth and why we've chosen some of these songs from the 1970s. It was a great era of music as well. But um, stick around. Keep coming back. Ruth, chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled... There was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and his two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. So understand what's going on here. Uh, the, the man's name was Amiliac. Can you say that name with me? Amiliac. Even if you botched it, it's okay. Nobody knows except the people sitting around you. Um, Emiliac, so Emiliac, his wife, and uh, his two sons, they're living in Bethlehem. And then there's a famine, and so they decide to go to the country of Moab. The man's name was Emiliac. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Mahon and Kilian. They were... Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab, and they lived there. Now, Amiliac, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malian and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her Husband. Put yourself in, uh, not yet Ruth's shoes, but in Naomi's shoes, and try to imagine what she is going through at this time. A Jewish woman living in Bethlehem, and her husband passes, they, 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 they experience a famine, so they leave, they go to Moab, her husband passes, Good news is, within, within a, a few years, both her sons have found women, and they've married. But within ten years of living in Moab, Naomi has also lost her two sons. A time of grieving, a time of mourning, a time of hardship, maybe a time of uncertainty in the life of Naomi. The reality is this, something that we all understand, the end of a relationship is never easy. Amen? Yeah. The end of a relationship is never easy. 
Let me tell you about some experiences uh, in my own life. When I was very young, I had a best friend who lived two houses down from me. Um, it was kind of mandated from birth that he would be my best friend because he was also my cousin. But that doesn't change the fact he was my neighbor, he was my best friend, he was the same age as me, and we hung out all the time. I'd go to his house, he'd come to my house, and anyway, when I was about maybe eight, nine years old, uh, I, I heard that they were going to move across the country. My best friend, but probably my only friend at that point in my life. He was moving across the country, he and his family. What was I to do? Years later, I did figure out how to make another friend. I had made a good friend by the, uh, when I was about in high school, early high school years. He actually lived in the same house as my, my friend and cousin uh, from, from childhood. But he came to me one day and he told me that he had met some new friends and I wasn't cool enough to hang out with him anymore. That his new friend said I wasn't cool enough to hang out with him. Now for a, a high school kid, come on high schoolers, you know that can be devastating, right? Now I had to make another friend, right? I mean, like I was going on like one at a time. I didn't think I needed a backup friend. And he never told me that he was going to go make new friends, right? That were going to be cooler than me. I don't know how that's possible, but whatever. Um, I can keep sharing stories like that from my childhood or even growing up. Uh, several years ago, not too many years ago, it was in a, a, a previous ministry, not here, but I had a, a family tell, ask me, as a pastor, they asked me not to contact them anymore. Because we don't want anything to do with you anymore. Don't call us, don't send a text message, don't send an email, don't come to our house, we don't want anything to do with you. And I asked them, what, what happened? Like, what so sudden to me, what happened? They wouldn't tell me. Finally, after several months of digging and trying to figure out what happened, it, it occurred, it, I, I found out it was because I forgot to shake their hands on a Sunday morning. One Sunday morning. Some of you wonder why I go around and try to greet every one of you on a Sunday morning. It's not because I feel compelled to, but because I look back at that and I say, if somebody was, was so hurt and thinking that I had ignored them, I, I don't know what they were going through in that moment of their life, but they felt ignored and slated by me, so I try to greet everyone that I can on a Sunday morning. Going forward, my wife and I had, uh, we had a couple really good friends in the church. Again, not here. I don't share stories from here that are heartbreaking. I try to reserve those for, you know, 50 years down the road. But we had some really good friends. We went to their house. They came to our house. We were really really close and then one day they just stopped calling they stopped coming around they stopped answering our phone calls and our text messages we had no idea what had gone wrong and we took that very personally and come to find out that they years later uh they they let us know that they were just going through a very difficult season in their life and they needed to they needed to push us Away, they apologized at that moment, but in the season that we were living in, it was very 
hurtful, and we took it very personal. I say again, not to, I tell these stories not to get your sympathy in any way, but to say the end of a relationship is never easy. And we've all experienced a relational break in our lives, yes? We've, we've all experienced a relational break in our lives. Perhaps it's related to an argument or a disagreement that we've had with someone. Maybe it was a long-term friendship that ended very abruptly, right? Just got cut off abruptly. Maybe it was a very difficult breakup with a significant other. Or as we read about here in the first five verses of Ruth, perhaps it was a sudden loss of someone due to death. But we've all experienced that relational break in our lives. And it carries with us it, 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 a roller coaster of emotions and feelings, confusion, anger, sorrow, fear, even uncertainty. It brings a variety of thoughts and questions with it. What's next for me? What's next for us? What am I going to do now? What will I do without them? We've always experienced that relational break in our lives. And when we do, it is so vitally important that we remember that God is always Faithful, Amen? Now I, I say that and I understand, even for some of you today, you say, yes, I can remember that God is faithful in the midst of a relationship falling apart or a relational break in my life, but it doesn't bring immediate healing to the wound that I am suffering from. So I simply say the first step for us in the midst of a relational break is to remember that God is always faithful. Hebrews 13:5 says, "Never will I leave you," God says, "never will I leave you, never will I forsake or forget about you." Even when we feel like our world is falling apart and other people in our lives are turning their backs and walking away from us, even when we feel the deep wounds and hurts of someone leaving our lives, we can remember that God is always faithful, that he will never leave us, he will never forsake or forget about us. Here's our truth that I want us to hold on to and remember today and in the days to come, God is always faithful. God is always faithful, God is always working for our good. Now, I strive to never give any of these, these, uh, these truth statements that are, that are too profound, right? Because that's just not who I am. But, also, I think it's good to come back to the basics. God is always faithful. God is always working for our good. We're going to unpack that statement here in a minute. But, Romans 8, 28, Paul writes, And we know, and we know, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. God 
is sovereign. Say that word with me. Sovereign. God is sovereign. Maybe for some of you it's not a word that you use every day. Maybe it's not even a word that's in your vocabulary very often. But God is sovereign. God has absolute power. God has absolute authority. And God has absolute knowledge of what's going on in our world and in our lives today. Scripture says that God thinks about us so very often. He knows the intricate details of our lives. It says that God thinks about us. The thoughts that God has about you are more than the, the number of grains of sand on the earth. That's how often God thinks about you. Think about the intricate details, the relationships in your life. Think about just how intimately God knows you. Our truth statement, God is always faithful. God is always working for our good. In his sovereignty, in his knowledge, in his power, in his authority, get this, God allows relationships to end. God allows relationships to end through separation, through rejection, through abandonment, and even through death. But we must trust him, even in those hard seasons of our lives. We must trust him even when we feel confused, even when we feel lost and angry and sad and fearful and alone and uncertain. We must trust God, and we must trust his Sovereignty. These next several weeks, we're going to consider Ruth's life. We only are diving into the first five verses this morning. And as we dive into and consider Ruth's life, we're going to pair these passages with some of these songs from the 1970s. And my prayer, church, my prayer for all of us is that Ruth's loss, her loyalty, her love and her legacy reveal to us God's great sovereignty, his absolute power, authority, and knowledge. And so Ruth begins with this story of a family living in Bethlehem. Ironically, they're living in Bethlehem because Bethlehem means house of bread, right? And they're living in the house of bread at a time when they are experiencing a great famine and a shortage of food. And so, as we read in verse 1 and 2, in those days, there was a famine in the land, a man named from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, they went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Emiliac. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malian and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab. And they lived there. Now, we don't know much of the circumstances, but the before, what's going on in this family the book instead begins immediately with this family traveling to Moab. Moab. 
the nation of Moab. It was a horrible nation filled with immorality, filled with sin, filled with evil, all sorts of evil practices. And for whatever reason, Amiliac, living in Judah, in Bethlehem, Judah, he says, let's go to this evil nation. Let's go live in Moab with those people. And so they traveled. Amiliac making that decision to uproot his family and travel to a nation filled with sin. Verse 3, Amiliac, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah, the other named Ruth. And after they had lived there about ten years, both the boys also died. And Naomi was left without her son or her husband. Amiliac passes away. Naomi was left with her two sons. Thankfully, the boys were able to find wives of their own in Moab. Thankfully, as we're going to dive more into Ruth in the coming weeks, these women were not wrapped up in many of the evil practices and many of the, the, the sinfulness of the nation around them. They find wives, these two young men, but soon, just ten years later, both of the sons pass away as well. Naomi and her two daughters-in-law, they have to make some tough decisions, all while grieving their great losses, because they don't have the husbands that would otherwise provide for them. Verse 6, when she heard, that's Naomi, heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. This is, as we're stepping into it, Ruth's story as it intersects with God's sovereignty. Have you ever stopped to think about how your story intersects with God's sovereignty? How your life, how even the, the difficult, tough seasons of your life are intersecting with God's absolute power and authority in the world around you? Ruth's story intersects with God's sovereignty. And I praise God that we have this written word that we can reflect upon Ruth's account. Because when Ruth's life intersects with God's sovereignty, it is at the, the absolute hardest time in her life. Famine has been experienced by this famine, this family. She married a man that had just recently moved there, and then he soon passes away. She's grieving. And yet God is faithful. Amen? And God is working for our good. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. God is always faithful, and God is always working for our Good. God is always faithful. This is a, a promise for all people. Everywhere. Universal promise. God is always faithful. Nothing can change God's faithfulness to, to you, to me, or to anyone in our world today. God is always 
faithful. But then we get to the second statement that I made. God is always working for our good. Friends, this is contingent. This is contingent upon us remaining faithful to his call of love in our lives. Think about that for a moment. God is always faithful. He's always faithful. God is always working for our good. But hold up. He's always working for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That means that if you step out of a relationship with God, if you turn your back on him, if you walk away from his leadership, his will, his way for your life. If you walk away from that, and many people do that in our world today, they do so willingly, God is no longer working for your good. Let me read that statement again. God is always faithful. God is always working for our Good. Consider your own life. Consider your blessings. Consider the relationships that you have. Consider the trials, the good stuff, but also the very difficult things that you are enduring in your life. Do you believe that God is always faithful to you? That he will never leave you? That he will never forsake you? Because it's much more difficult when we're down in the trenches to proclaim, God, you are always faithful. And that comes with an ongoing relationship. That comes with practice. That comes by enduring in the midst of that, by persevering in the midst of difficulties. Do you believe that God is always faithful? And do you trust that God is always working for your good? That God is working for the good of those who love him and have been faithful to his call? This last week I saw a, a, a video, and I wanted to read you this. Those that uh, aren't on my Facebook each week, I'm going to read this. Story of the Chinese farmer. Once upon a time, there was a Chinese farmer whose horse ran away. That evening, all of his neighbors came around to commiserate. They said, we are so sorry to hear your horses run away. This is the most unfortunate. The farmer said, well, maybe. Maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, we'll see. The next day, the horse came back, bringing seven wild horses with it. And in the evening, everybody came back and said, oh, isn't that so lucky? What a great turn of events. Now, you have eight horses. And the farmer says, well, maybe. I don't know if it's good, I don't know if it's bad, we'll We'll see. The following day, his son tried to break one of the horses while riding it. He was thrown, and he broke his leg. And the neighbors came together, and they said, Oh, dear, that's so bad. And the farmer responded, Maybe. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. We'll, we'll see, right? The next day, a group of officers came around throughout the town to draft the people into the army. Young men in every household who were able-bodied were called to go and fight. But when they came to the farmer's house, they rejected his son. They said, because he has a broken leg, he can't possibly go 
and fight. Again, the neighbors came around. They said, isn't this great? And the farmer said, well, maybe it is. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. I don't know. We'll have to see. And on and on and on we could go. This page is about back and front. I only read the two, first two paragraphs. The, the, the point of this and the reason I bring this up today is to say that sometimes we see the very negative, the very tri the trying seasons of our life, and we say, oh, this is such a, such a heartbreak, such a bad thing that's going on in my life. Sometimes we see what we count as blessings, and we say, wow, God is really blessing me in this season. What good thing have I done that I have earned his favor now? I, I read this to you because my... I really identify with that, that statement. Maybe, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. We'll have to see, right? The reality is if we truly trust in and step into and believe that God is always faithful, that God is always working for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose, then our reality is we don't say, well, that's good, that's bad. We just say that's of God. And I'm going to continue to follow him. I'm going to continue to serve him. No matter what people around me say is good or bad, I know I'm going to follow God's will for my life. Because God is sovereign. God knows more than I know. Can I get an amen to that? I didn't say God knows more than you know. I said I know. God knows more than I know. That's what you just amen, by the way. God knows more than I know. God is stronger, more powerful than I will ever be. God has more authority than I will ever be given on earth or in heaven. God is sovereign today, tomorrow, and forever. Is it good? Is it bad? Doesn't matter. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to serve him in the good and in what otherwise might be seen as bad. Today, I'm just going to simply end allowing you to reflect upon Ruth, her loss, and God's sovereignty in her life. Some of you know the story of Ruth. You've read this before, but I do encourage you to come back. As we walk through this book of Scripture together, and as we discover more and more and more every week of how of, of God's sovereignty and new glimpses of how He moves in the good and in the not so good of our lives. More importantly than simply reflecting upon Ruth's life, considering her life and her loss and her legacy, I encourage you to reflect upon God's sovereignty in your own life. I encourage you this next week to take some time to simply sit in the presence of God, sit quietly before Him, and reflect upon His sovereignty. How has He moved in your life in the past? How has He taken what in the moment seemed like a, a very desperate, trying situation and moved through that? And how has he shown his hand of goodness in your life throughout the years? I encourage you this week to take some time to reflect upon God's sovereignty and to praise him for his faithfulness at work in your life. Let's stand together. I brought you a prayer this morning as we close. I'm going to invite us to pray this prayer together. And remember... God's sovereignty. In His sovereignty, 
sovereignty, God is always working. In his sovereignty, he is always working. Whether we can see it, whether we acknowledge it, whether we enjoy that season of life, God is always working because God is always faithful. And God is always working for the good of those who love him. Let's pray this prayer together. Sovereign God, you hold absolute power, authority, and knowledge. Thank you, God, for your sovereignty and your faithfulness in my life. Thank you for working for the good of those who love you. Give me eyes to see you working, and give me a heart to trust when I cannot fully see your plan. Amen. Father, I pray your blessing over your people, Lord Jesus. If there are some among us this morning, God, some worshiping here this morning, Lord Jesus, that do not know you, that do not know of your faithfulness to them, do not know of your sovereign work in the world today, Lord Jesus, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work on their hearts, Lord God. Give them a nudging from you, Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would guide and direct them, Lord God, to connect with you today, Lord Jesus, to make that confession of faith, Lord Jesus, to begin a relationship, to walk with you in your faithfulness, Lord God. I pray, Jesus, that you would guide and direct if, if there are some, Lord God, that, that step into or step deeper into a relationship with you this morning, God. I pray, Jesus, that you would help them to connect with others around them, Lord God, to begin that, that, that walk, that deep and profound walk with you. Lord Jesus, we thank you. In your great name, amen.